Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. I absolutely love young moms, and it's my passion to share tips and tools to help make your journey easier. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, this is part two of Getting It All Done. I wanted to address so many different issues about getting it all done, so this is going to be, you know, a two or three part podcast so that hopefully I can give you some tips that will help you get organized. As always, you can check out our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. Please sign up so that you'll get notifications when we post them. Okay, we've been talking, we left off talking about organization. We talked about organize your home. We're going to pick that up with organize yourself. And what I did, I just got this big notebook and I put dividers in it and I custom made it to fit my needs. Now, I know there's a lot of organizational books out there, notebooks for homeschoolers, but none of them really fit my needs back when I looked through them. So I just got a notebook, put dividers in it and put the sections in there that I needed like meal planning and a grocery list, planning the kids' schools, books that I needed to order, science units, art projects, planning for kids spiritually, verses they needed to learn, character quality of the month or the week, my own personal Bible study, you know, that was in that book. And let me just say, have a plan for your Bible reading and your Bible study. I've done so many different things years, but what I found when I was studying to teach my kids about a character quality or whatever, I was learning it too. So I kind of combined my study to make character studies for my kids to learn it myself. So I was learning it with them. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I did not have the Bible as my reference point. So I learned with my children. And that's actually a really good way to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. But have a plan even for Bible reading. Um, this year, I've done different things, but this year I'm using the Navigator's Bible reading plan, and it gives you a passage like from the book of Matthew, Acts, Psalms, and Genesis. That's how it starts out in January. And you read a chapter from the Bible in different portions of Scripture. It gives you four different portions. And after a year, you've read through the entire Bible. And you can check off when you've done it. So I've just found this a very helpful way. I did it last year. I'm doing it again. It's a great way to read through the Bible in a year. Now, you've also got your studying and your memorization, but have a plan. I'm not saying use navigators. I'm just saying use something. Have a plan for what you're doing. I'm also using the Evidence Bible this year by Ray Comfort, and I love it because it's New King James, um, which I haven't really read that much on New King James. But the thing I like about it is he's got little call-outs in here about how to share the gospel. And when you come across a verse, he tells the best way to use that in sharing the gospel with other people. It gives a lot of tips. So that's something I've not read through that before. I've not done that before. I'm, I just try to change up what I do so that I'm constantly learning something new every year. Now, the Bible... Um, I want to read through the Bible every year. I also read through the proverb of the day and five Psalms a day um, on a regular basis because I love the Proverbs and Psalms. But anyway, just find something that works for you. Change it up every year if you want to. It kind of makes it more exciting to change up what you're doing. Use a different Bible to read or a different plan. 
but make sure you've got a plan so that you get it done. Then another section was daily planning and to-dos. I live by lists. I could not accomplish raising 14 kids and homeschooling them all if I did not have a list and a daily plan. Now, I don't always accomplish everything on my list, and if I don't get it done, I just bump it over into the next day. But I, I like to have priority lists, and you know, when I get a chance, I'll work on this. A list of projects to do when time permits. And that's what was in my notebook. Now, there might be something else that works better for you. Also, bills, like bills that I need to pay when bills are due. That was in there, too. Then train your kids in organization. We would have a daily schedule and a weekly schedule. Be flexible, but have a schedule. And then everyone will know what's expected of them. A schedule builds security. We had daily chores and weekly chores. And my kids knew if this was Tuesday, what their Tuesday chores were. I made a chart. I changed their chores every year and I would teach them their chores and train them in their chores in the summertime. And then they would keep those chores for the whole school year. Now, a podcast I did back in December was Vicki Bentley's. Um, I interviewed Vicki Bentley and she's got a whole system of chores and I love it. I wish I'd had it when my kids were little because it really spells out for the kids what a tidy room is, what is involved in cleaning the bathroom. It's all written on a card. And you might want to go back there and listen to that because I found it very helpful. I would have done that if I had seen it. But what I did, I trained the kids in the summer. They kept their chores for the whole school year. But they knew if it's Monday, this is what my chores are. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then every year we'd rotate the chores so everybody would learn how to do everything because actually what you're trying to do is teach your kids to be adults that are responsible and that know how to take care of those responsibilities. Train them thoroughly how to do a job. Don't just say, go clean the bathroom. And Vicki's book, you would find very helpful, or even the podcast to help you with this. But make your instructions clear. For instance, I had a daughter whose job was dusting, and I kept finding things that weren't getting dusted, and I thought, she's just being disobedient. And then I realized she just doesn't see it. So for handwriting, I had her go around and make a list of everything in that room that needed to be dusted. Tuesday was dusting day. She'd get her little notebook out on Tuesday. She'd go in the dining room. She'd check off the things that needed to be dusted. And I found out she just needed that extra help. Some kids have a natural sense for what, how to clean and how to organize. But she was not one of those kids. She needed some extra help. So have different expectations for different kids. Some of them you're going to have to help more than others. Some it comes really naturally. Sometimes you can let the older kids train the younger. I did this when Nate and Josh cleaned the bathrooms for a year. I told them, hey, if you can train Matt and Emmy to clean the bathroom and do it right, then we'll trade jobs and you can do something else next year and it will be their job. So they were really motivated. And Matt and Emmy at the time thought it was really cool to do their older siblings job. So that works too. Um, in spring and fall, we'd have a two to three week period where we'd do extra jobs like getting down cobwebs, cleaning the ceiling fans, stuff that doesn't get done on a weekly basis. So I would just write things on index cards and we'd do a little bit less school those days and we'd each have extra chores to do so that we kind of knocked that out and got it done. Disciple, discipline. You know, you gotta discipline yourself. And 
you know, live on a schedule, but not somebody else's. There's so many like homeschooling mom schedules out there, but you got to do what works for you. You've got to take into account how many kids you have, what their ages are, if you've got a baby in the home, if you're nursing, what your husband's schedule is, and that changes through the years. So work out a schedule that works for you and don't feel guilty if you're not doing what somebody else says works for them. Because one of the biggest burnouts in mom is lack of discipline in themselves and their kids. So uh, you need to get your kids under control because they're not going to do school if they won't listen to you and obey you. So just some quickly, and I've done another whole podcast on obedience, but just basically instruct your kids. Make sure they understand. Give them a clear instruction and have them repeat it back to you if they're very young. Then give them one warning if they mess up and don't do it. Say, what did mom tell you to do? And have them repeat that back to you. And then we would correct our kids for disobedience, disrespect, and irresponsibility. If they were irresponsible, what you do is have them go back and do it responsibly. I wouldn't spank for something like that. I would have them go back and do it right. Disrespect. If they speak disrespectfully to someone, you want them to go ask their forgiveness and speak respectfully. Talk with them. How could you have said that better? How could you have said that respectfully? The only things that we would really correct for were direct disobedience. And that was, you tell them to do something, they say, no, I won't. Or you tell them not to do something and they say, yes, I will, and go ahead and do it anyway. Obedience has three parts, cheerfully, immediately, and thoroughly. And all my kids can tell you that. If you do it, but you do it with a pouting look on your face, it's not cheerfully and it's not true obedience. If you do it, but you wait until you finish reading the chapter in your book before you go do it, that's not true obedience because it's not immediately. And if you only halfway do it, you leave half the crumbs on the counter you're cleaning off, then it's not thorough. So you've got to teach your kids those three parts are in obedience. And you know, we found that training really helps. We just expect our kids to know what we want them to do. We think that they're little adults, and they're not. And this was really brought out to us. One day I was in the grocery store. I had seven kids, and... They were just everywhere. They were touching things. They were asking for things. I was tripping on them with a the grocery cart, and I was just really frustrated. I told Rick that evening, they were just everywhere. They weren't really bad. It was just very frustrating because they didn't know what to do. So we went back to the store that night, and he gave them some very simple rules. Hang on to the grocery cart. The little toddler would hang on to the grocery cart. If you want to request that mom get some food, ask before you leave home. Because you get in the grocery store, there's all this nice looking stuff to the kids down at their level. So they'd have to request at home. Do not touch anything on the shelves. Just a few simple rules like that, that you assume your kids know, but they don't. And the very next time I took them by myself, I had people saying, how do you get those kids to be so obedient? And we thought, wow, this really works. So we started doing it in other venues, other places. We taught them before we'd go to a restaurant how we expected them to act. What do you say when the waitress gives you a glass of water? And they'd practice saying, thank you. Teach them manners. <clears throat> Teach them what you expect of them in church, in a friend's home, in different situations. And, you know, when we started doing this, we had, we had so much less correction to do. And it kind of 
pricked my heart that we were just expecting that our kids know what to do and we weren't teaching them that. We weren't teaching them how to act respectfully to others or to use manners or what to do and not to do. So the more time you put into training, the less time you'll put into correction. And I go into that in detail in another podcast, so we'll kind of leave it at that. But seriously, you'll spend a lot less time correcting if you put the time into training, training your kids. Okay, classroom practices. How do you get it done in the classroom? I've often said I felt like I was the juggler through the years. You can't just say to your kids, go do your schoolwork. I'm going to go do the laundry. And let me just say, I would set aside that two and a half to three hours a day to be with my kids doing the schoolwork. I would put in a load of laundry before we started school. I would not answer the phone. I would let the answer machine get it. I was with my kids because if you leave them and you go put in a load of laundry or whatever, you totally lost their attention. You come back, they're talking, takes more time to get into it. If you will just give yourself to those two and a half to three hours a day, you'll get the school done. It will move on. I remember one day I was pregnant. I was feeling kind of tired. I went in and sat on the couch and one by one, the kids just kind of drifted in there. You know, they want to be with you. Homeschooling is all about relationships. It's not about sending your kids off to do this academics and get it done. It's about having a relationship with your kids. It's being there with them. It's explaining a new concept. You know, if I was doing math, for instance, instance, I would explain it to them. Then I would do a problem and show them how to do it. And then have them do one while you're sitting there watching them, one or two. And then give them their 10 problems to do. You don't want to just say, go do it without any word of explanation. You want to kind of walk them through it, show them how to do it. And as I said before, just give circle 10 or 12 and make it a comfortable amount for that child. Some kids who love math, they might want more math problems. But kids who struggle with math, the less, the better. Whenever possible, we would do unit studies, and I would let the kids read about things on their own level in a science book, but we'd do some field trips together. We'd do some fun things together. For instance, we studied weather, and the kids were reading about it on their own level, but then we went to the weather station at the airport, and we had a tour, and that we could do together. So things that you can do together, it, it makes all kinds of sense. For me, with 14 kids, they were like, I had high school and preschool at the same time. So I couldn't, if I had just had two or three, we could, maybe could have done science together as a unit. But I just had such an age span that I'd have them read at their own level and would come together to do the nature walk and collect things in the woods or the trip to the weather station, whatever. So some things that worked for others didn't work for me because I had such a spread. Preschool, and I've got some podcasts about this, so I'm not going to spend very long at it, but make it a fun time for them. Reserve, I would reserve special projects that I would get together in the summer, and I'd have a special box or a special closet to put them in, and that was the preschooler's school. It was fun things like outlining shapes, or um, I would cut shapes out of construction paper and give the kids glue sticks and let them just glue them onto paper and make their own creations. Um, I've got a whole list, school time activities for preschoolers on my website that gives you some ideas of things that you can do. And the trick is you save these things just for school time. It's their special school stuff. So when the other kids are doing school, they're doing their school too. 
And sometimes I used it as motivation because the older kids loved to do some of the things they were doing, Play-Doh or whatever. So you could say, all right, if you get your math done in good time, you can have a few minutes to play Play-Doh with the younger kids. So you can kind of have that work for you. Um, dad would be the motivator. In our home, dad worked a job, so he was not home during the day. I taught the kids the school. But I wanted dad to know what they were doing and what level they were on and see their schoolwork. So when the kids were little, we had dad correct the schoolwork at night. And they'd bring him their math paper or their English paper or whatever. And he would correct it and say, oh, you did such a great job on this. He was a great motivator. And then he'd let them choose a sticker to put on their page. So that way it kind of involved dad and he knew what they were doing, what was going on, but he wasn't there to do the actual teaching. Now he did some fun stuff. I remember once they dissected a dead squirrel. Um, you know, dad can, can do some fun stuff with them. And it's, he, dad, we would take field trips as a family. We found that was the best way. And Rick was always a good um, field guide tour. He would talk to the kids. I don't know if we'd go to um, Patrick Henry's home. We would see the plows, the things that they used, and he'd talk to them about the horse equipment or whatever. He was just a really good field guide to give them information about the different places we went on field trips. So dad did teaching, but it wasn't the two and a half or three hours a day in our home. And you know, you might find that it works better to have your dad, the dad teach math or whatever. That's fine, just you know, find what works for you and have a plan and do it that way. Now history, <clears throat> a lot of homeschoolers kind of forget about history. They feel like it's not that important, but oh, history is so important, especially American history. And we have a lot of resources to help you with that. You know, at this time in our country, we are losing our history. We're having statues taken down, History is not really being taught in the schools, not the history of America, um, because so much of it is God-focused, and they've kind of cut that out. They've taken God out of the schools. So you need to teach your kids God's providential hand in history. You need to teach them the history of our country, how our freedom, freedoms were founded, so that they can protect those freedoms. So don't forget about history. And we've got a lot of helps. We've written actually a couple of history books about um, the foundations of our country. One's called The Fight for Freedom, and the other is America's Struggle for Independence, which talks about what happened during the War of Independence and teaches about the Constitution, things that your kids need to know. They need to know about what's in the Declaration of Independence, what is in the Constitution, because they need to protect those freedoms today. We're fast losing them. So we spent a lot of time on American history, and I encourage you to do the same thing, too. I'm not saying exclusively do American history, but spend a lot of time on it. If you read a normal history book, say about the American Revolution, you get one chapter. You can't begin to know about Francis Marion, and um, uh, there's, there's our book, The Fight for Freedom, is I think we have 32 different people from the War of Independence, and there's so many more people that were involved that are in our book too. But we tell it in story form, which is the best way for kids to remember the story of Francis Marion. And through the story of his life during that time, they're learning so much about what happened and so much about fighting for freedom and giving up 
for um, personal comforts for the sake of freedom. So do not neglect history. It is so important. Um, we have a lot of audiobooks that you can have access to. We actually have an audio book club, UncleRickAudios.com. Our focus is mostly on American history. We've got a lot of ways that your kids can learn history. So I really encourage you to do that. In closing, we need to make our plans and our schedules, but we also need to remember that God plans our life curriculum, and it's preordained for our good and specifically designed for each one of us to give us the message he wants to give us through our life. You know, it's when we sense our dependency on God that he can open his hand of mercy and pour his grace out on us. God does not want us to feel like we got this under control, we know how to do this, we're adequate to meet all these needs. He wants us to lean on him and depend on him and have that deep sense of knowing that the creator of the universe does have our lives in his control and he wants to pour out his wisdom and help us. So I hope this podcast has helped you in some of the practical details of getting it all done. I would love your input. If you have other questions you'd love me to answer, I would love to do that. So thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining us.